We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. You're in a lot of trouble, and maybe it's because, well, sorry, Canada. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Toronto. And because Philly sucks. I feel like I fear Boston most of all out of any of the Eastern Conference teams. Nah. Yeah. (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Brew Hoop podcast. This is Riley Feldman with you here again for the next edition in the Inside the Basket Blogger Studio interview series i want to go through everybody uh, i want to thank adam kyle andrew and mitchell for coming on previously i thought you know each of those guys had pretty interesting perspectives kind of bringing together how they go about understanding the bucks how they go about viewing the bucks um, but I, I think this next guest that i have this week unique in his perspective i would say he's our on the ground expert so to say i know other riley is also milwaukee but he is one of the only two people on staff who are actually in the city itself and who actually attends the game semi-regularly is gabe stoltz gabe how are you doing i'm doing fantastic riley how about yourself i'm doing all right the weather's been nice up here uh i, I like to point out for everybody we are uh, recording it's sunday may 24th so if you're listening to this on memorial day uh wishing you well on memorial day but i'm doing good the weather's nice we can kind of been hanging out we'll go out after this podcast how about yourself yeah likewise um my, i'm gonna help my brother move after this but yeah for sure uh, <laughs> we're gonna take advantage of the nice weather is it is it like move like you're getting recruited for all the heavy furniture moving or is it mostly done what's the status on that he says it's things are packed up but i don't know i'm sort of expecting <laughs> it to be a little bit of a mess knowing my brother <laughs> well you know it, it'll help the time pass and at least you'll be out in the weather i guess it's an excuse to be outside yeah it'll be, it'll be nice to see him <laughs> yeah and how are how are you holding up in the uh, in this the coronavirus times? I know a, a lot of people are doing work from home. I believe you're doing it as well. How is that going for you? Yeah, work from home. Uh, my day to day job is going uh, pretty good. Outside of that, it's just sort of it's tough to find uh, solace in life without any sports. I rewatched Breaking Bad for the ninth time, <laughs> as you probably know. My stick on Twitter is being a Breaking Bad enthusiast. So after watching that, I saw that was back to square one. Um, so I'm trying to find new shows. I actually just restarted Ken Burns' baseball documentary. So that should keep me occupied. Who knows if I'll dabble into the other ones he's, um, he's portrayed. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'm just trying to stay <laughs> not bored as best as possible. I know I'm assuming everyone listening is sort of in the same boat, but that's how I'm spending my uh, life without sports. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I want to attest for everybody who's not in the Brew Hoop group chat. Uh, Gabe also hits us a lot of the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul takes, and he does. He did right before we went live. He did inform us that he was going into Ken Burns as well. So what you're see, you're getting a peek behind both curtains in this interview here today, which I think is really spe- <laughs> really a special part about this interview series. Very behind the scenes. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, there's there's been a couple of different places where I've started these interviews, um, you know, that like why the Bucks, um, we, you know, why Brew Hoop, things like that. What I'd be interested in starting with you before we go into the Bucks is 
just so everybody knows, you're the guy that we usually have for the site who's at the arena for home games, doing media for us, you know, whether pre-game, post-game, getting quotes, talking to the players, all that sort of thing, which we'll get into. But I'd be curious for your take, and I'd have to go back to look at the schedule, but do you remember it all in the weeks leading up to the actual shutdown in play? Was there any sort of like difference in the arena, in like the mood, the environment, or was it pretty much business as usual up until when the, you know, Rudy Gobert tested positive and then they had to shut it all down? Yeah, you know, it was pretty much business as usual. Um, I'm pretty sure the last game I covered was against the Thunder um, in, in February. So I didn't cover any games in March. Um, but then the game that I was going to cover next, I was actually out of town for work, then I came back, was the game against the Celtics, which would have been the Bucks. I think they were coming back from L.A. and they were going to be playing Boston. And that was before um, – Right before that happened was the NBA banning, not banning, but like temporary, uh, temporarily um, preventing media from going into the locker rooms, mm-hmm. which seems like ages ago at this point. Like, <laughs> how fast did we jump from no reporters in the arena, in the locker room to no fans, no sports for months? Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was the first real time that anything within the world of, at least in my vantage points of, it may have differed between like the more seasoned veterans on the beat, like Velasquez and name, but from what I could tell, there was nothing that even set off any alarms of what was coming ahead. Um, it was just business as usual leading up to it until that uh, the NBA stepped in with the six feet or nine feet or whatever it was um, between the players, coaches and reporters, but um, yeah. It definitely came up very quick. Well, and I can't remember. So they obviously shut it down. I I remember there being images of, I don't know where the hell Giannis was at, but he was like in front of the the board that has all the Milwaukee Bucks, FS Wisconsin and everything. And then all the reporters were around him. Was that after they had already shut down play? Was that like some posts or some like press conferences while they were figuring out what the deal was? I can't remember. Or if it was that before. I think it was, I think it was, um, yeah, if I recall, because I, I know that was likely at the practice center, which mm-hmm. is my day-to-day job I never get the chance to go to. So, cause if, yeah, I, there was never any, I never participated in uh, social distancing between us and the players. Um, so, yeah, I think that was before the game at the uh, practice center maybe a day before or the day, usually it's the day before. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything that I participated in with social distancing. So, yeah, it definitely fucked up very fast. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was, uh, it, it was, I think for a lot of people, if you hadn't already been like, not freaked out, but taking it seriously. Like the moment that Rudy Gobert tested positive, it was like, oh, okay, this is like really happening. And the speed with which, I mean, they should be credited with how quickly they shut everything down. But it, it did go from like full go to full stop almost immediately. And you're right that I think like the difference between when they announced the distance from the media and then the season being over was like maybe a day or two. And then, yeah, and, and it, then it was all over. It really seemed too as if that the NBA postponing their season was like, the domino that started the effect for all of the other changes within life. Um, like, I don't know if you get the same feeling, but like before it was just sort of like, oh, we'll see what's going on. But then the, just 
Shams and Woj just dropping the bombs of just the NBA season is postponed. It's just like, whoa, like this is real. And like, so it was definitely surreal. And it's still surreal. Hopefully we can get back to business soon. Though. I agree with you wholeheartedly. So I think going into that, it's as good as time to place to start where I usually start with most of these interviews. Um, why the Bucks? Uh, you obviously live in Milwaukee, uh, so I would seem to get some sort of vibes that there might be a local connection. But was it a you were a fan when you were a kid? Your your parents, your your siblings, your your family were friend or family were fans as well. What was your path to the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, just the same as the other Wisconsin sports teams that I'm a fan of: Brewers, Bucks, Badgers, Packers, etc. Um, just is just a way of life, you know geographically based uh my i have two older brothers and dad were all in the sports so just growing up with them watching uh the teams had we had the big three of the san Cassell big dog and ray allen on a from the sports illustrated magazine on our bedroom door the poster from that um so yeah just through the uh combination of being i saw i was born in milwaukee and then we moved later in the central Wisconsin where I stayed through high school, but just being geographically rooted in the city and just um, having my fa- uh, family members that were already pursuing their fandoms um, and having those established, I think it just trickled down. In the did you guys ever go, did you regularly go to Bucks games? So if you went out to central Wisconsin, maybe a little bit more of a drive and even as somebody who only lived like 15 minutes outside of Milwaukee, it wasn't necessarily like we were making the trek all that often for me when I was growing up. So did you guys go to Bucks games a lot or was it just kind of an every once in a while occasion? Um, yeah, once we moved up, moved away from the city, it became a more, uh, we, we went less frequent, but we always made sure to catch a game a year or so. Um, obviously we went uh, down in the, well, I thought, yeah, 2010 here the deer season um yeah from there but when we moved when we lived in the city we were, for sure were going uh to see the uh, guys play uh, my brother actually this was before my time uh it was my dad just remembered uh brought it up during the of course the last dance being as popular as it was but um the bucks i forget who the bucks gm was at the time uh but it was like 96 season and they were up in the nosebleeds, and the Bucks GM was like, just found them up there. He's like, hey, you guys want new seats? So they got three courtside seats <laughs> to see MJ and the Bulls. <laughs> it was like one of the games back after uh, returning from baseball, too. So, um, yeah, I was that was before my time on this earth. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, it was – we grew up going to the games, same with Brewer games. Uh, Wave games, Milwaukee Wave games. So yeah. Uh, familiar with it. Um, but yeah, we still made it uh, time to go make the trek down to 414. That's when we yeah. So then, so, okay, you're, you're going to games, you know, occasionally with your family, you, your, your brothers, your dad, everybody's kind of already into the Bucks sports in general. What then is the moment at which you start looking into like brew hoop in specific? Was there something about the site that brought you to it? And then secondarily, what did it look like when you joined the staff? Did you request? Did you say, Hey, I'm interested in coming on board. Did you know somebody at the site? Like what did it look like for you coming onto the site itself? 
Um, so I had known a crew hoop when Frank was still uh, manning it, uh, manning the reins. Um, I had started, I moved down to Milwaukee in 2014 to start college at UWM uh, as a journalism major. And I just started writing. I got involved with the UWM Post, the, which is the independently run uh, newspaper on campus. Uh, so they actually had a press pass through the bus, which is first off so cool that the bus are their their PR and communications department are top notch. Dan Sweencheck, Barry Bomb, uh, Eric Kovac, they're great. Um, so they opportunity um, just as a young college kid um, just trying to make his name, just get as much words out there as possible. Um, so I would cover the bus under the UWM Post's credentials. And then it was, I, I think I was doing it for like a year. And then the site cha transition changed from Frank to Adam and Mitchell. And then Adam actually just reached out through me, to me through Twitter and asked me if I would want to come through, come aboard on Brewhoop and the rest is history. That's pretty special. You you were the one who was tapped by Adam. That's that's a pretty special connection to have that one-to-one -one like that. Yeah, so it's crazy how just writing and just being active on Twitter essentially got me to my involvement with the site today. Yeah, it's obviously fortunate that Adam <laughs> viewed me as credible and still does. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, it's great. I've been loving every second of it. And I think, you know, I think we'll get into here soon, which, again, the unique perspective you bring is I've been to do I've done media in one game once and it was cool, but I was like totally I, I was I wouldn't say out of place necessarily, but I, it was like a little bit of a whirlwind experience. And Mitchell last week, he said, um, you know, he'd been to a game and I believe Andrew's been to a couple road games. But so your perspective is interesting from the. Um, from being there regularly. But before we get to that, I'd be curious the opposite direction. Let's say you're not in attendance for a game. You either they're at home and you're not there or it's an away game. What does your at-home watching setup look like? Do you have the TV do you, or do you have the laptop? Do you have both? Is there a snack of choice? What, what do things look like when the game is on? Okay. I just have it on my TV. Um, I like the away games because it's like... Uh, I can be a fan again, you know, because uh, I'm press row and you're obviously not reacting to plays as much as you would if you're watching at your house. Um, so for that point, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'll usually make some dinner. Jeez, um, it seems like so long ago. I'm trying to remember how I actually look like. <laughs> um, I'd go to a bar if it's like a big game or something, hang out with some friends. Um, yeah, I have a an adult beverage of one or two or so. Um, yeah, it's essentially just being more laid back than uh, my typical watching of the games at the arena. Um, much less professional and all that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I like watching the other games. Yeah. Do you, um, I think maybe this is, might be the same. Is there a difference? Usually when you're at the game itself, you're usually doing our post-game coverage as well. Is there a difference when you're watching at home versus in the arena for things that you're looking for, for emphasis? So like you said, when you're watching at home, it's more of a fan. It's probably more of like a holistic you know, view of the game necessarily. Um, 
is that different for your in arena experience? Are there things you're looking for, like you know, uh, standout plays? I know, I, I now know that they hand you the box score after every quarter. I mean, they have that stuff ready to go like 30 seconds after the after the buzzer sounds. But so, are you looking at that for like statistical things? What are you looking for as a point of emphasis when you're watching the game, either at home or in the arena? Um, just at home or at the arena, um, I mainly refer to the. So in addition to like what you said of the communications team handing out the box scores after, which you can actually get at, they ask you before the game, uh, orders or timeouts. <laughs> like I've never gotten timeouts. I feel as if that's too much paper, but there are traveling beat writers um, and other writers that cover the team uh, that do prefer at timeouts. So I'm never that crazy. I just say quarters, but there's also, in addition to that, I just, uh, I'll pay attention to that, and um, as well as the, they also have screens um, set up. Oh yeah, yeah. The press row, which have the in-game statistics for both teams. Um, so I don't really go much beyond that. That's pretty much all I need. Um, occasionally, I will have the I forget the Google Chrome add on what it is. Um, to see, I, I don't even know. I have it up on my computer now, but I can't see it. Um, oh, enhanced NBA, ESPN NBA box score. Um, that's always nice. Eric name showed me that once, and it just shows like, um, and I'm, if you follow Eric, you know how he tweets out his like advanced offensive ratings and all that after every quarter. That's where that comes from. Um, wow, that was an exclusive look behind the scenes. Eric's like <laughs> hidden secret weapon, but. Um, no, I'll use that occasionally, and then um, not much in that. And then I like watching the away games because it allows me to be in the arena. I just see – I'm on Twitter. I see, like, all the um, reactions to see if, like, Marcus says something witty or if Paschke has a great call. So I don't hear the commentary. Um, obviously, when I'm in the arena, you can get the in-game feed from the – the Fox Sports Wisconsin on those TVs, but everyone primarily just uses it for stats. But so that I'd say, like, I'm almost less stat heavy when I'm watching at home. Like I said, it's just more of a way to relax and watch the team and get the fan experience of like listening to Marcus and Jim. Um, so I like that more than I'm usually more stat heavy, essentially, in a nutshell, at the games than when I'm watching at home. Yeah. So now the next step. I, I did a really poor job of explaining when I did my experience what the timeline looked like. So let's just say it's uh you know it's a regular February regular season game. You know you're you got duties that evening to go to the game. What does the timeline generally look like? So it, it's, I think you can kind of we don't have to give away like state secrets or anything. But are you arriving like a couple of hours before the game? Are you then like going to different, you know, locker room, going to the coach? What does that all kind of look like throughout the evening? Um, let's see. So there's just like retracing my steps. It's been so long. Um, you find the media entrance, which yeah. I struggled to. I was like, this looks like a <laughs> like a garage here, yeah. and then uh, that ended up being the door I had to go through. So you start there. Yep. So I get off work at like five. So then I, I make the trek in the, the city, in the downtown. It takes me about 30 minutes. And then by the time I uh, park and walk to the forum, it's about, I get in around 5.30, 5.35, um, which is unfortunately too late for 
any pregame stuff because coaches always talk on 515 with five minute differences between home and away. But um, so I'm never really able to do that unless it's like a 7:30 game or got like an 8 p.m. game, which those suck. First off, 8 p.m. games are the worst. One time I showed up to a game, like it was, I thought it was a 7 p.m. tip off, and I get there at like my normal time, and I just said 5:30. I'm like, wow, there is nobody here. I'm like, what is going on? So then I just look, and I'm like, oh my god, I didn't check the schedule. I just get in such a groove sometimes. And I look at it. But anyways, so if it is a 7 p.m., I get there at 5:30. Um, yeah, like you said, the media entrance can be tough to find. You walk in through there, through the security, all that jazz. Um, <clears throat> and you sign in for the media room, uh, which I remember my first time at Pfizer Forum. It was confusing, so I can understand how it was definitely confusing for you. Um, sign in, get a good look at what's on the media, uh, for the media buffet, uh, which the Bucks actually, there was a lot of drama of it with this year, food uh, running out. Oh no, I didn't experience that thankfully. I got there early enough to be able to grab my salad, but it was actually like a full blown like Yeah, it was some drama. <laughs> <laughs> that drama just meaning like chatter. Oh man, only got a piece of like that. But so I always make sure to eat first. Just so I know because I'm coming from already like a nine hour day at my real job. I'm sort of hungry. Um, if there is any pregame availability, I'll go and check that out. Um, otherwise, it's just pretty much eating. Uh, I usually sit next to um, uh, Kane, Eric, and Matt. Um, there's some other like uh, radio journalists that um, cover for the fan. Uh, Stephen Watson, Armin Syrian sometimes comes uh, from the game. Chuck Freeman, I like sitting next to Chuck. Chuck's a good guy. Um, I love hearing him just talk about his stories from the 80s. <laughs> but uh, so just, yeah, and then you eat. Um, and then you, I always just dump my stuff up. Uh, you see the seating chart first. I, I'm sorry. That's like the first thing I do before I head in. I was just done. Unless it's the food is smelling really good, then you check out the food. Um, but no, see where the seating chart is. So PR has like the chart of where you are um, with a fancy nameplate too. I, I remember you tweeting out that you're gonna hang it out and you're hanging up in the office cubicle. It's it's, yep. it's it, that never gets old to see. Um, that's really cool. But then uh, yeah, and then just eat, and then from there you go up and watch the game. And then, so watch the game. It's pretty straightforward. That's relatively clear how that all works. And then once the game is over, do you then, I think, so you miss out on the, usually most of the pregame activities because you're coming from work or whatever after beforehand. What about after the game? What does your schedule generally look like there? Who are you going to first? Because after the game that I went to ended, I got a little turned around between when uh, Coach Budenholzer's press conference was and when locker room availability was a bit, was open to everybody so what does it look like for you then after the game ends yeah usually i'll go to the bucks um presser so bud talks maybe 15 that's say 15 minutes after the final uh buzzer sounds um 
if there's like if LeBron's in town, especially now that he's on the Lakers, I'll go to his to the visitors' locker room. Um, but yeah, and if the same goes for any like if there's like if it's Kawhi or something, just to see that player that makes the the West from the Western Conference team that only comes once a year. Um, but yeah, just go from the go into the Booters uh, Budenholzer's presser, and then um, from there you just have in the locker room and wait sometimes very long <laughs> mind you uh for the butts players so uh, yeah that's pretty much it and then another thing that's interesting is because you started out with the uwm post and then you're obviously at brew hoop now you also kind of bridge the two recent eras of milwaukee bucks basketball so you're on like the back end of bradley center era front end of the pfizer forum era so I, you can take this. I, I know um, Mitchell. He said before he he wanted like the compare and contrast for like the kid Pronte era to Budenholzer. Um, you know, you could even talk about how the national media or like the number of media has changed as well. So, kind of talk about how it's changed from your earliest days when you first started out to how it is today. Like, what are the main things that jump out to you about what's so different? Um. Yeah, the Bradley Center was definitely, Pfizer Forum is much nicer in appeal to the media. Um, although, you know, some people do like the Bradley Center uh, media seeing more than the Pfizer Forum because the Pfizer Forum, it's, there's fewer uh, seats for the media. So actually last year, like leading up to the playoffs, everyone was just like, how are they going to fit all these credentialed media members um, in there, which they actually ended up doing by, they had to close off some general uh, admission seats, actually like a whole section, I think it was up in the upper deck. That's where I sat for the conference finals. Um, but you know, in, so for big games, nationally televised TNT games, there's obviously a good amount of national reporters, Rachel Nichols, et cetera, those types. Uh, but honestly, it's in a, as you just set up the situation, a random February night, say, let's say the Pacers or someone's in town, there could be five or seven people in the Bucks locker room post game. And you wouldn't even, it, it's not even much of a difference in terms of like those games uh, from the Bradley Center, you know, uh, you might have few more like obviously you have Eric Woodyard um, who's covering the team for ESPN he's more frequent so I guess that's a little difference but um, no it really unless it's for the big games I mean there's I'm sure there's an average from the Bradley Center to Pfizer Farm there's more reporters on a given night but there are still a lot of times where there's this not a lot of Media. And I don't want to get too into this. Uh, I, I'm going to sit talk about Giannis here for a second, but like, I don't want to get too into his head about what he's thinking, but like, I don't think there's any other media market that he would get. Like, on a, if you think he's playing in, if he's playing in front of the LA media, like who, regardless of the opponent, there's going to be dozens of people in the locker room. So I, that thought has run through my head. Like, Geez, I wonder if he's thinking about that or what, like, is this 
going to happen if I go elsewhere. But regardless of that, um, it, there are some nights where it's just like, and of course people have to meet their deadlines um, for stories and stuff. So as the players are lingering and getting ready, some some will drop off in terms of the reporters to go finish their stories or to get audio to the station. Um, so that's my benefit of writing for Brew Hoop too. I don't have a deadline besides the rapid recap. Um, so I really like that. And like, just knowing that I'm still pumping out work, but it's not like in the same, it's under the same stressful guidelines and deadlines that other um, journalists have. So essentially that's my answer to your question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so there are two more, two, two interesting things comes up with that. So uh, the players, I, I think I have three questions. One, how tall are they in person? Are they very tall? <laughs> Two, have you ever gotten the opportunity? Do you DM with any players? Three, has Giannis took you to the side? You don't have to say what his answer was, but has he told you what his attention, intentions with his next contract are? Yeah. Um, first answer, yes, they are very tall, um, especially Giannis. When like, you're holding your... So one thing that you realize, I realized really soon after starting covering the uh, games back when I first started in 2016 is your arm. Uh, and this can be like an exercise for <laughs> a fun exercise for like those at home. But like next time you watch a game of like when there is basketball, of like post-media scrums, just try and hold your arm out with your like a phone or something for as long as those players talk, it gets so, it's so, it's not painful, <laughs> but it can get so sore and you just like, I, I never would have guessed that it's that tough, but, and then you're like, especially when it is a big scrum, you don't want to be like, you're really close with each other and there's cameras around. So you don't want to bump the camera and mess up the shot or put your finger in the shot or something. So, like, if you do change hands, you have to do it all slide. My worst nightmare is, like, having my phone drop into the, the ice bucket water of the LeBron's using for his feet or something. Like, that's my worst nightmare. It's <laughs> <laughs> my phone plummeting into the bucket of ice water. Um, so, but uh, Steve Ashburner from NBA.com actually has this, like, crazy device. Like, it's just a voice recorder. And it's like rubber band tied to this like extendable pole. So everyone else is just holding it. And Steve's like 10 feet behind this pole. It's like a fishing pole with a voice recorder. I don't know if you saw Steve there when you were coming, but um, so very, very uh, tip of the cap for his um, cleverness on that. But no, I'm not in the DMs of any players, nor do I unfortunately have any inklings on where Giannis may end up. Um, all I know is that he's very, very interactive with his teammates um, post, uh, post game in the locker room. Even if they lose, they're still pretty, they're still all pretty happy. Um, so yeah, that'd be my two cents on that issue, on that topic. Well, I suppose winning all of the games with the occasional loss makes it a little bit easier to, especially when you go from being on the worst team of the league when you first come into the league to uh, obviously being where you're at now. So I think that would hopefully keep his mood uh, pretty high. I think the other thing that I would be interested about is 
you know, everybody knows Eric name. Everybody knows Matt Velasquez. Like those guys are with the team all the time. Have you found that like, for example, you're there relatively often, not for the road games and everything, but do you end up kind of building a rapport with particular players or is it kind of, uh, I can't quite remember if it was just like you said, select guys who come out to actually talk to the media. Have you ever tried to been like, I'm going to be the guy who corners Robin Lopez for a quote or something like so? It, do you, how does building that relationship kind of work for you now that the fact that you're there a lot more often than say I was or somebody else who's kind of a one off? Honestly, my favorite part about being in the locker room is not talking with the players about the game or any quotes but like about other things. So like my favorite thing to do is like um, when there's like a big sporting event, that's not NBA or even if it is NBA, it's just like when they have it on in the locker room and everyone's watching it. Like um, I'm trying to think of like some examples of this. Um, The last one was the Patriots versus the Titans. Tom Brady's last pass is a New England Patriot now in retrospect. Um, so that was fun because just like obviously Pat Connaughton being from Boston, um, having ties to the Patriots was very fun to interact with him on that. Um, March Madness, like um, when uh, Taco Fall was playing on uh, UCF, I think it was Duke. I think they lost to Duke. Um, like Giannis just saying like, I can't wait to dunk on him. <laughs> like Giannis. <laughs> Um, like those interactions I find are, um, I mean, you can get the, um, more in-depth questions if you really want to, but for any questions that I pretty much have are always like either asked by another reporter or if I, if it's not, I just ask it in the scrum. I don't want to be seen as too intrusive or anything. Um, and if it's like, yeah, I essentially, I, I try to stay away from like one-on-ones if possible. I, I just like the idea of just giving the players the room. Um, but I, I do like interacting with the players outside of uh, stuff from basketball or in other leagues as well. So that's what I like to do. You heard it here first, folks. Basketball players are just like us. They just happen to be taller. That's all. They also, they also are into sports and other activities. It, that's, it's so cliche. But, like, that was, since I started covering games, that's something that I really realized is so true. Like, I remember the first time I went into the locker room back at the Bradley Center, I'm just, like, obviously starstruck, which I'm sure you were, too. Like, it's just, like, all these people you've grown up and, like, idolized as legends. Um, But then the moment it really hit me was after the first time I was next to LeBron and, like, the cameras went off and he's just like joking around with everyone. And then like, wow, this guy is just the average dude. He's just much richer than I am, much more athletic than I am, <laughs> much taller than I am, much stronger than I am. But at the core, he's the same. He's a regular dude. And like he has kids, he has a wife, like he has a family, etc. But like, that's one thing that I was shocked at, like, which I guess it's probably just being around them too. Like it might be a certain like take a certain time for that effect to kick in but that's what i've really i found relatively quickly is just like these guys are just like you and i you know they have a job to do albeit it's like a really fun job yeah essentially that's uh, my two cents on that 
So then the the last question about the actual in-game coverage, and again, I think this is unique for you because you're a media guy or the arena guy, has doing this sort of more consistent, it's not day in, day out per se, but because there are so many home games, you go to them so often, has that perspective doing that so often, has that morphed your fandom, your relation with the Bucks? So like you said, when, when away game is on, you're able to kind of go into fan mode a little bit more. But even then, is there something where, because you know these guys personally, you know, a little bit more personally than say the average fan, or because you're so used to when you're at the game, you're a little bit buttoned down because you're not in the media section fist pumping or screaming every time Ursan hits a three or something. Have you, do you think you like your general fandom has shifted at all because of this experience? I'm still a fan, but I would be lying if it, I said it did not have any effect on it. Um, I think it's just in the, it's, it's a really tough question to pin. I've talked with Kane about this too. And I think he shares the same view as me is just like it. That's what I like about not, not being a full-time like fledged beat reporter and like just having it as brew hoop on the side is that I can still separate church and state, you know, like, and that's when I first started, I'm like, do I want to pursue a career in sports? Like my, I'm talking my career, like, um, I just like sort of realized, like, I don't know if that's a risk I want to take, but for the most part, I'd say my fandom is still there, but like, it still can like teeter. Like you may not react as obviously I'll be excited if the Bucks win a championship or something like that. I'm not saying that I won, but like, I would be lying if I said it didn't have an impact, but it's not anything like that's like drastic by any means. Um, so yeah, I essentially say that it's it's not drastic change, but it is there, um, which it's I, I sort of expected would have happen. But um, even in the like conference finals last year, um, you're still getting I was still getting that rush when like. The, fans are going nuts so like it was it's still nice to see that the fandom is there um and that uh, you haven't grown numb to it but um i have also realized though like so growing up i was like a big i'm still a big brewers fan but like it's it's interesting to see how my portrayal of the players has changed from uh even though i don't cover the brewers or anything but i still like i was saying similar uh earlier it's like they're just you just realize they're average people like you and I. So like I'd say that I've noticed it in other sports too, like just in terms of how I view the athletes and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I I think and it's it, when you arrive at the game. This this is so sacrilegious. I'm gonna keep acting like my one game sample was like the end all be all, but it was like a random regular season game, so I might as well as be close to the real thing as possible. So. You know, when when you arrive, I mean, everybody's pretty buttoned down, like pretty straightforward. Like even, you know, in the media room, people are kind of joking around. But I followed around Matt and Eric, for example, because they were like the go to. They obviously knew where everything was at. And you can kind of just get the vibe from like the media. Everybody else is part of the media or just kind of like when you're up in the box that they already kind of set a tone. And so maybe somebody would give me a sideways glance if I stood up and pumped my fist when, when Ursan made a shot. Somebody might say something. I have no idea, but it, it does 
once you're in there, you kind of switch into the mode, at least for me, pretty quickly of, yeah, I mean, there's the Star Shark is like, wow, there's Mike Budenholzer right up there. That's pretty crazy. But um, it, it it seems like it comes naturally because there's already this, um, not pace, but there's kind of these expectations that you can kind of feel when you first show up. So I, I think you would probably share that kind of same feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, at first you just see everyone in suits walking around and everything like that. Um, I would actually, like, when I first started um, covering games, I would just, like, I was very, like, I didn't know how long it would last, so I would show up, like, tucked in shirt and everything like that, and that is, that's why I've just, like, gone on. Now I just show up with, like, my work attire and, like, jeans and dress shoes um, or nice-looking shoes, um, T-shirt untucked. I'm more like a or like a Eddie Bauer fleece or something like that so um I feels if I've like so I know like the feeling you're feeling, like you, you feel like your your surroundings definitely have an impact but I think over time you just it just comes with comfort you know like um being around the situation being around the people um you grow accustomed to them get comfortable it becomes more of a pattern um because in your you were essentially like a mouse in a maze, you know, like you had no idea where to go. Yeah. yeah. I know the feeling. I remember my first game at Pfizer Forum and Eric had to show me around because I hadn't gone down near the preseason games. Um, but yeah, I totally know the feeling. So are you saying you, you've yet to show up to a game in a Bucks jersey? Would you <laughs> would you ever show up as media and be rocking like one of the alter, ardent alternate jerseys? They, they might be okay with it because you're really, you know, you're promoting their new the new schemes they got. I'm trying to figure out there was one game where this so sometimes there's these really odd publications that come and there was this one game where there was a really odd one and I forget the guy showed up wearing like a a very obscure baseball I forget what player it was I'd have to ask Jack Maloney who writes for CBS Sports he might remember but it was like this super weird I want to say it was like Aaron Judge or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> he was wearing like a jersey in Fresno. <laughs> oh, it was so weird. And then there's another guy playing MLB The Show on his laptop. <laughs> yes, of course you have to. It's a good time. You know, you just have media access, buffet dinner, and then go get some MLB The Show in while <laughs> you get a good view of the game in the background. Like sounds like a dream night to me. Right. So no, there have been definitely some fun stories from Fresno. <laughs> so moving past being in the arena itself I, I think just a couple more brew hoop specific questions and then we can move on to a couple of different ones is there something in your time with brew hoop you know it could be whether you're sort of pseudo beat coverage or otherwise is there something that jumps out to your mind and say that was a big accomplishment for me what i did with brew hoop there was you know this piece that you put a lot of effort into or even if it's something as simple as finding ways to make your perspective interesting to people on say like twitter for example so is there something that i'm putting you a little bit on the spot here so if there's something that jumps out that you know really you enjoyed or really you thought you put a lot of time on it was what, what received is there something that with brew hoop jumps out to you um yes there is something i'm trying to find the exact tweet uh, where i can find it 
Um, we'll put the if you find it, we'll put the link in the show notes after, so people can uh, go ahead and access it if they're so uh, so of a mind. Moment, I'm scoundering through my tweets. Um, it was oh come on, where is it? There was the initial. I was actually one of the other questions while you keep looking for it was, did you ever actually see somebody make one of the half court shots this season? Or, I mean, I, I kind of followed along hit or miss, but I know you're pretty good with recording them. Did you ever end up seeing anybody this season make that? Yes. It was the last game that we, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the last. Yeah, it was, he, he hit it and it paid off all my time, which, Okay. I don't know where you stand on this, but here's my two cents on the Potawatomi jackpot half. Give it to me. We need this. We need the analysis. And I, I've already, who was it? I think it's Eric or someone. Um, I forgot who it was regardless. Um, I'm a fully blown proponent of taking that half court shot. And here's why. So you're obviously, you're taking free throws beforehand, which is a very big element. It's an argument that can be used to take the free throw. Like you're already warmed up by taking the free throws. You just do that. Here's why I wouldn't take the free throw. If I miss a free throw, I would be kicking myself so much. I'd be so nervous. My hands would be so sweaty. Probably I'd hairball <laughs> it. So I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to live with a, with missing a free throw, nor would I be able to live with, um, missing a three-pointer, even though it's a lot less likely that's going in. I can, however, live with everyone does that. Um, so, like, just the fact that that's my reasoning why I would take it. I, why not go big, go home? Same with the um, – what's the – I'm forgetting the game. It's been so long since I've been in there. Where they uh, – The uh, – the, the, uh, I know what you're talking about. Where it's, like, either – it's like oh well, they'll, they'll pull like the lotto essentially or the um slot machine it's like oh you could get a basketball signed by rashad vaughn do you want to roll again you're like of course let's yeah. go the press your luck game so you start off with a 50 dollar auto card and then you could it sometimes lands on another one i'm always taking that i don't care what they can give me turn that hundred dollars into yeah. 500 at the blackjack table later that night that's my what i always say um but there was this one guy who just like, I don't know, it was either like a Bucks notebook or a Bucks duffel bag. Like it was the first thing it landed on. He's like, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta love a man who goes in with expectations, low expectations and goes for it. And Mel, who's the uh in-game arena host that buys forums, is like, oh, all right, here's your duffel bag. <laughs> She was like, we were hoping that segment was going to go for another 45 seconds at least, but okay. Exactly. Um, but going back to your previous question, I did find my tweet. Um, so it was, oh, I forget who they were playing, but it's January 20 or January 17th, 2018, which um, is at the tail end of Jason Kidd's tenure as a Milwaukee Bucks head coach. Um so I'd ask, either I'd ask him or someone else had asked him um, before, like after the game during his press conference, why the Bucks coughed up, coughed up, coughed up the lead, um, and he, of course, he pulled out the excuse saying that 
we're a young team, <laughs> everything like that. Um, so, and that was just like at the point where every, all Bucks fans were just like screaming and pulling their hair out every time that was muttered by a kid. So I'm just like, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to straight up ask Middleton this one. Like, so I found my tweet. Uh, it said, I said, I asked Chris Middleton if he feels as if the Bucks are a young team and how they can overcome that to become a threat on a nightly basis. <laughs> he said that youth cannot be used as an excuse. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just read the whole quote quick. And he said, I mean, yeah, we're a young team, but we can't use that as an excuse. We've used that as an excuse for the five years I, since I've been here. Getting older comes with experience, so we're going through that now, and we've been going through it for a long time. At some point, the, that experience has to kick through. Hopefully, it will this season. So, of course, after he said that, I'm like, I sprinted out of the locker room and I'm like, I transcribed and I tweeted it. And uh, so that was like, so obviously, uh, you journalists on know that uh, Matt and Eric, um, everyone else will ask. I, I typically let them ask questions first, just so since they're. They're the actual journalists. <laughs> um, but um, so I just let them do it. But then I was just like, you know, what? this is a chance I have. So like, and the second I tweeted that, it was just like the notifications just came boom, boom, boom. So like that was like probably the biggest and most, I don't know, like impactful quote that I've received, like that actually could cause drama. Cause I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> they're like they're gonna revoke my access somebody's gonna complain and we're <laughs> I'm never gonna come back to this place you remember when the bucks fired decent kid like what day oh god uh so i know it was before a Suns game because i i can't remember if they were on the road i want to say they're on the road in phoenix but whatever it was it was chaos because they he had like done some sort of availability and then gotten fired or something i can't quite remember how it all went down but it, it couldn't have been much longer past when you got that quote um on january 7th january 17th 2018 kid was fired five days later <laughs> <laughs> fun times <laughs> the jason kid era. yeah it was, so I, I think okay one one more question then we'll move on to the non-brew hoop stuff how different is it the Jason Kidd regime versus the Budenholzer regime? So, Bud, he seems pretty relaxed, pretty – he jokes around, things like that. Maybe Jason Kidd was like that at some point too, but obviously when things started hitting the fan, it wasn't nearly as uh, jokey or as upbeat of an environment. So what – is that the main difference is it's not nearly as like uh, – not awkward necessarily, but not nearly as serious because things are going so well for the most part? I think the players in the locker room have gotten more laid back and um, with the teammates that they do have now uh, that are in presences and everything like that. I think I think there was a lot of drama with Kidd as coach and not a lot of trust. Um, I think that's the big word that I would describe um, the difference. Obviously, I don't know, like, exact interactions the players had with kid versus bud but i think the trust is just something that's very apparent and going back to when brogdon was still a member of the bucks i think that was one of his big takeaways because obviously he wasn't the biggest fan of kid as we all know um but yeah i think that the team and i mean like you said it's easy to be like that when you're 
winning games left and right and racking up the best record in the league. So, um, but no, for the most part, I'd say that <clears throat> it is a lot more laid back. The guys are more, uh, they're outgoing and with the kid and everything, but like, it feels as if the, the better, more success you have on the court, the more, um, positive the locker room is afterwards, um, willingness of players to talk, et cetera, all that um, changes when you have the healthy influence and leadership of a coach like Budenholzer. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's probably hopefully the biggest change and we'll see whether or not it impacts things, you know, once the season comes back, you know, after the season beyond that. But I think that's probably a pretty big difference maker for the whole team. So, uh, so that's kind of like the inner arena experience. That's the brew hoop experience. Uh, I, we've talked plenty of shop here about what it looks like actually getting the content out onto the site and everything. Here are a couple of potpourri non-site specific questions for you. So first off, tomorrow you're made, let's say the season, there's not a pandemic. General, you're NBA commissioner tomorrow. What is one thing about the NBA you would change? One thing I would change of the, N- of the NBA? Oh my God. Do you have like a pet peeve? Do you, I know a lot of people get really mad about the refs, for example. Uh, my thing would be like the size of the court. Is there something that it could be even off the court if there's something about like the structure of the league? Is there anything that really gets to you? Honestly, there really isn't. I like the NBA a lot. It's not like <laughs> if you ask me about the MLB instead of the NBA, I'd have a whole list of answers. <laughs> Rob Manfred. Um, Honestly, I, I may, I would have to think about it longer, but there isn't any pressing issue that's off from the top of my head. Um, I do hear that Portland has, uh, from Matt and Eric's experience, Portland has in their media room uh, a craft beer um, tap. So maybe a uh, mandatory media room in the, uh, as a mandatory media room kind of beer tap for all the. <laughs> With all the media members. So maybe I'll say that just for the sake of fun. Uh-huh. All right. Bucks media people. I know you guys are listening to the podcast, so definitely write that down and let's bring that back when the season's returned. Let's get the craft beer in there, please. Oh, I'd also uh, make an executive order to ban the reverse food eating cam out of all arenas. <laughs> you and Mitchell both, huh? You, you agree completely oh, with both uh, of his points? Every time that comes on in the arena, I just... I'd never look. It's, it's so nasty. Oh, God. I know other Riley is like the biggest fan of it. I don't know how she is, but no. It's my worst fear of like, so last year during the playoffs, there was no, um, obviously with how many media members were coming to Milwaukee, there was no, no way that a buffet, the normal buffet could get everyone fed. But, um, so we'd get like $20 for, of vouchers to use around the arena which i actually it was cool but then it got a little old like after you tried everything uh during all the games but i still liked it um but yeah you just eat at your you wouldn't eat in the media room like you normally would you'd eat at your seat typically and that was my worst fear is like being on that camera so like you had to take shelter behind your laptop screen or something just to ensure that that wouldn't happen but those are the two orders I would make. 
small complaints. That's not bad. The NBA is doing pretty good if those are the big things. And mostly those are uh, the Bucks could probably rectify those relatively quickly. But uh, so, okay, that's not bad. So then the next question, who would you say your favorite Buck is? So it could be Giannis. I think everybody loves Giannis a lot for obvious reasons. But is there a more unheralded player, or even if he's heralded, but maybe like you think he's misunderstood, you like this guy's game. Is there somebody in particular like, I just really rock with this guy? It could be current, it could be past. If there was somebody that like, if if Epe Udo was like your guy, we would love to hear about it. Do you mean like favorite buck in the locker room or favorite buck of all time? Let's say... Let's do both. You have the unique experience. So you could do favorite buck in the locker room, knowing that everybody could be your favorite. But also if there was somebody like back when you were more of a fan more than being in the arena, if there was like somebody who you just like, oh, I love Tim Thomas, you know, like <laughs> if there was somebody that jumped out at you. Um, I liked Ray Allen a lot as a kid, obviously, like everyone else um, growing up. Ray Allen, Michael Red. I also had a TJ Ford jersey. Um, and a Bogut jersey. I liked Mo Williams. Um, uh, as for current, but I like Pat Connaughton a lot. I think his his uh, persona is really good in the locker room, especially in interviews. I think he's a player that um, gives a lot in his interviews on this off-camera presences. Um, also uh, right up there. Um, that's another thing I want to say too, just like behind the scenes, Giannis, like when he's, his, uh, camera or when the camera's off is just as what you would expect him to be. Like, um, it's, he's great. It's so funny when like, (laughs) okay. So I don't know what it was like for you when you were in the locker room, but Giannis has the tendency to take an extremely amount of long time. Yep. Answer questions. So here's yep. the process. You get in, the media comes in the locker room, you see Giannis. Giannis is on his phone. Now, uh, now Thanasis is on the team. Thanasis is likely near him, showing him highlights of the brothers, um, talking in Greek, etc. cetera. Um, so then 15 minutes will pass. And then Giannis gets up, goes, showers, comes back, uh, sits down again, uh, puts on one one flip-flop sits on his phone puts on the other flip-flop sits on his phone then gets changed and then comes to the media but it's so funny because like there'll be only like at the by the time Giannis talks there's a lot of people need to newscasts are already wrapped up audio yeah. is already in, needs to be into the say the fans post-game show um a lot of people have already gone away but like <laughs> It's so funny. Giannis was just like, <laughs> we're all waiting there. But then Giannis will like just try to like sheepishly walk by and say, you guys don't need me, do you? <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> oh, it's so funny. He's a great guy. Um, but yeah, he's exactly as you would expect him to be um, off camera as he is on camera. So I'm proud to report that to the, to the audience. That would be a really big scoop if you were the one who revealed that Giannis has like really bad MJ tendencies. Like, yeah, he's not like the nicest guy off the off the court. But uh, so I think everybody, not a lot of people are surprised by that because he just exudes the same energy in like every context, no matter what you find him in. But I mean, that's what makes him such a joy to root for. And also it, it has to probably make 
life easier for the guys who are covering him as well, where it's not, it's never much of like an adversarial thing. Like it, it seems like he, under, even though he likes sheepishly, he takes his time, things like that, but he, it's not like a combative thing whatsoever at all. Like he, he's very aware of, you know, it, his place, his importance, both like in the city in the organization to like the people who are working in the media. So I, I think he should get credit for a lot of those things to have grown into that role over the years into the star that he is now kind of like in a unique organic path, given where in Milwaukee, where he's from, all those sorts of things. For sure. No, absolutely. All right. What about this? I have talked pretty much everybody that I've talked to so far has had uh, friends, family, coworkers think that they work for the Bucks when they say that they write for Brew Hoop, for example. I can only imagine, as somebody who goes to the game, that that is way worse for you with other people. So, do you get that a lot? And two, um, what do your family, what do your friends, what do people think when uh, either, I'm guessing most people already know that you work for Brew Hoop. Um, do they think it's cool? Is it just like your thing that you do? It's a lot more concrete for you because you're going to the games than for all of us out of state who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely writing for this site about the box. Believe me for it. So what is it like when you tell people that uh, you write for Brew Hoop or the people that know you work for Brew Hoop? Um, it's cool and I'm like, out at a bar or something and then we're like just talking with new people and i love when i like i'll say that and then my favorite reaction is first when they do know what brew hoop is and they're like oh my god what like that's that's awesome i that that's a one of my favorite reactions but yes a lot of people mistake uh me that i actually write for the bucks not on the bucks um, one word is such a big distinction. Um, but then yes, so many people asking me like, Oh, can you get me in tickets? Can you, Oh, ask Gabe, he, he writes for the bucks. You can get tickets. <laughs> um, or like sneak in. I've had people even ask if like they could use my press pass <laughs> in, uh, when I'm not able to go. Um, yeah, you're like that. Definitely makes sense. Let's for sure go for that. That that plan doesn't sound like a total disaster from the get go. <laughs> It's just like, gosh, but, um, no, yeah, I think it's the same as you guys. Like you just get, which I mean, I guess makes sense, but it's not really frustrating or anything, but it's just funny. Like people like, Oh, can you give me a slide over a few tickets there? It's just like, no, not not exactly. Could you, could you ask Giannis for his signature for me on this basketball after the game or something like that, please? Yeah, exactly. I can only imagine what it's like for Frank and Eric and like, actual NBA writers, you know, like, or even like if you work for the Bucks, like as an actual employee, you know, my brother used to sell tickets for the Brewers and like, usually he was just selling tickets and people would be like, Hey, you need tickets to the Cubs series. Like, the Cubs <laughs> yeah. Like I'll pull some strings. Don't you worry about it, buddy. I got you for I, sure. I think it's, it could be a lot worse, but no. And it's not a problem or anything. Like it's not anything that I get angry about, but, um, it is something that happens. So. <laughs> is there some, so, I mean, talking about, so everybody kind of knows that you do this. Um, it, it's a little unique right now, obviously, because the season is on hold. Um, but going past the season into the future, do you have, you know, I, I like, for example, you said you studied journalism uh, in college, you 
Um, you have your day job. Is, is there anything that longer term you'd like to do in like media or is this kind of a lane where, you know, for a lot of people, I think the opportunity to go to the game and work media, the game is it, that that's a pretty cool thing to do, even though you're not necessarily being paid for it. Is, is there anything that you would say, I would like to continue with this or are you kind of cool with where you're at? You think you can continue kind of building on what you're already doing and, and that's what your main focus is. So is there like a, a longer term thing that you would like in media past what you're doing now, or do you think right now is a good spot? No, I think right now is a good spot. Like I said earlier, um, in terms of keeping church and state separate in terms of my day-to-day -day job and, uh, this side job, that's why I really like, um, I like knowing that at the end of a long work day, I, there's like, Sure, I might be not getting home till like 1 a.m. or so or midnight, um, but it's an escape from like my normal job and everything that goes on there. Um, and I, like I said earlier, I sort of like it just because like I know it's not going to be stressful. I know we have extremely talented and uh, understanding editors and that are they're never pushy on content or anything like that. They, they always let you add your own flavor to what you're writing. Um, so I just like knowing that I have the freedom to do all of that. And um, it's not anything that's pressure inducing and there's no stress with it. And I'm being able to go and get a free meal and pick cover the best team in basketball and the best player in the, uh, the league. It's, I'd say I'm pretty content with it. Uh, obviously the, goal of my fandom is to see like be in the locker room when the bucks do win a title so i'd say that that would be like the top of the mountain you know the pinnacle um but yeah as for my current role i think that this is something i enjoy it's not too much um too um stress inducing like i said on my schedule and um no i like it i like the balance between my normal life and the life outside of it with this gig yeah and i think what you said about mitchell adam and pretty much everybody this site being super chill all the time like you know as long as somebody's scheduled to do something it's very hands-off and i think mitchell and adam should get credit for that because it makes it a lot easier especially you know when i was at the game again it was kind of like a fish out of water moment but you know there is pressure because things once the final buzzer hits it moves pretty quickly of like okay we got to go down to the locker room we got to have and talk with coach budenholzer and, and normally like you have the rapid recap so it's like okay let's write that let's get that poster real quick okay let's go down let's get some quotes and, and i think it would be easy like you said if you were like in matter eric's spot where there there is a pressure a monetary pressure a financial reason why you need to get these things in and so it makes it easier where it's not necessarily a job which is ideally i think what they're trying to go for is it's not so much responsibility so much content that you have to do that it becomes a job it's it's more so this is something you're able to do on the side and that makes it easier for you to enjoy and provide the perspective that they're looking for exactly yeah Right on the head. Perfect. All right. Two more questions for you. First off, what's your, <laughs> I haven't asked anybody else this question, but I think about it for a couple of weeks. What's your top athletic accomplishment? It could be from when you were a kid. It could be semi-recently. Do you have something where, where somebody else asks you this and you flex this? I did X, Y, Z. Uh, what is it that <laughs> when I say that jumps to mind to you? Um, 
I have two. So growing up in uh, central Wisconsin, we played, um, he's a now, uh, he's now in the Arizona Diamondbacks farm system. Um, extremely talented baseball player. His name is Dalton Barshall. He's from Marshfield, Wisconsin. Um, striking him out twice was my, one of my biggest accomplishments. And I could tell so as I track his progression um, through the ranks, I like being able to hold on to that tidbit. But I got to give credit to him. He also hit an absolute bomb off. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that erases all of that, if not tips the scale in his favor. Like, and I mean, when I say it was a bomb, like there was a carnival in the back, like behind the, the outfield wall. And I'm pretty sure he hit, he hit like the fun slide <laughs> with it. So, um, so I got to give, I think he got the win there in the end, but, um, and then my senior year American Legion, I was selected to the Wisconsin all-star team. So that was, um, uh, separated between North and South, uh, Southern part of the state. So I was on the Northern team. Um, and it was actually an all-star game that was at, held at Miller park after a brewer game on a Sunday afternoon. Um, so I actually ended up starting that game as the starting pitcher for the North. And then uh, I was able to hold them scoreless for two innings. So I could say my career ERA at Miller Park is a goose egg. So wow. I think it's a more uh, standout accomplishment for my sporting career. I, I miss baseball. I wasn't good enough to play at the collegiate level. So unfortunately my career ended at um, – and unfortunately, I ended at that uh, high school level, but I carry my talents the best I can in the Fiendsville Softball League. <laughs> so, with our, our buddies and the help of some alcohol. <laughs> Explain this to me as somebody who knows very little about baseball and especially about the different type of pitches in baseball. Is it something, because like, this is totally off topic and that's what the beauty of these interviews are. I'll be reading and be like, Oh, well this guy has a slider or whatever the pitch is. And another guy doesn't, is that something like you have to be uniquely like have a specific way of your arm motion? Like, so, so what was your go-to pitch or was it like, I, I guess I just don't understand how you build that up or can you just practice it and get used to it? And like, Oh, now I have a change up. Like how to throw breaking balls essentially. It pretty well. So, like, is it something that can be learned, or is it something that people are more naturally good at? So, you have the pitcher's perspective. I don't know any other pitchers. You're the only pitcher I know. So, is that something that you just practice on? And I would assume so. But is it like a specific? I guess what's that look like for if you're to explain it to a layman? No, no. I learned all my breaking balls, all my pitches. So you have the four seam fastball. I wish I had a baseball here and I could show. Wow crazy that we're ended up talking about this so four seam fastball held across the seams and then the two seam is how long the seams um so think of that tailing uh action and then change up and i know me and riley are on camera so i'm just showing him like the <laughs> <laughs> peek behind the curtain here i do get the video demonstration sorry everybody um so change up grip uh, you hold back in your palm more for get that friction um but then, yeah, my curveball is my go-to for my breaking balls. And you could have two variations of curveballs. Um, so I learned that starting seventh grade, sixth grade, and then uh, just brushed up on it. 
throughout uh, as I progressed through junior high and high school. Um, so I had two curveballs. So one was a sweeping curve. So essentially, the best way to describe that is like as you release the ball, imagine you're turning a doorknob like with your wrist. And as you let it go, that will get that snap and that like it'll still tail like a obviously not like a fastball, but it'll have that sharp break at the end. <clears throat> and then the 12 6 curveball, uh, which is referred to like the numbers on a clock dropping from 12 to 6, that's thrown as with a more overarm, uh, overhand uh, extension. And then, like, instead of twisting your wrist like you're turning a doorknob, it's like you're hammering a nail into a piece of, a piece of plywood um, at your release point. So that gets that effect. So there's your baseball lesson right? <laughs> on the brew podcast. <laughs> I think, I think anybody who listens this deep will be, uh, they'll get a little bit of a hidden nugget there. So then, okay. I'll let you go after these two more quick questions. I just, cause I have them. Did you have a signal system with the catcher and is that signal system the same across all pitchers and all catchers? So is it like a team wide, all like, I don't know, like a one, two, three, is that the same across all the players or is that a unique relationship and kind of signal system you build with the catcher? I'd say the, when no runners are on base, it's more um, universal, one fastball, two uh, curve, three changeup, et cetera. Um, but when you get runners on, then it gets more sticky and it more team specific, um, especially if the runner on second base, because you can, if you've been following the Houston Astros, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I never dealt with any teams banging trash cans when I was pitching, but... Um, <laughs> you would have you powered through, though, even if they did. They wouldn't have got it off you, even yeah. if they did. Exactly. But we still had... Uh, we use, and a lot of teams refer to as second sign, so, like, this catch-roll flash of very, uh, various signals, and then it could be second sign, third sign, et cetera but you go on what number that you decide when the catcher comes out for a mound visit of what that will actually be, uh, the signal will be. And then you, re, you, that's what the coding, that's the coding you use when you select the pitch, et cetera. So it can get a little tough, especially in, um, when it's like your sun is shining bright or like the field lights aren't as good. And then like I had catchers, some of my catchers in high school had to put on like, white fingernail polish so I could see the numbers flashing and all that. So it's a, that's my thing about baseball is that there's all these signs and stuff. And then like, um, I think there was like a ESPN commercial back in the day. Like it's not crazy. It's sports commercial or something, but like it's all these signs and then it's just one pitch and then you do it again. That's why uh, baseball, I think still is my, if I were to answer what my favorite sport would be, it's baseball. But, just to, due to the strategy and all the things involved with it. But um, yeah, that's my answer to that question. Well, I told I told Gabe before we recorded that I was able to edit out any answer. So I'll just go ahead and smash the word basketball over baseball there. That way people don't, <laughs> don't unsubscribe. All right, final question, then I'll let you go. Uh, I've asked everybody this. Um, we already talked about what you think the thing that you thought was most notable when you were working for Brew Hoop or writing for Brew Hoop. Is there a biggest accomplishment outside of Brew Hoop um, that you that means a lot to you? Was there something? It could be getting into a certain program. It could be getting a certain job. It could be something personal with your family. Is there? It, it, 
doesn't you, you can give a couple of things if you want it doesn't have to necessarily be one thing but if you were to say there was like a biggest accomplishment or something that you're pretty proud of outside of the purview of brew hoop what would that be um that's a good question um i don't know i think i'm just thankful to be in a position where i can afford to with my day-to-day job of just being able to still have this on the side as a part-time. So my day-to-day job is a social media specialist at a specialty pet company. So if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen me like tweet these pictures of these exotic animals. Um, so that's just from one of our brands being a reptile and amphibian company. Um, so we have a lab of animals downstairs. Um, but yeah, I think just being, uh, being able to successfully find that job out of college and everything and just, um, have that. I don't have any personal accolades like getting married or anything like buying a house like Kyle does um, or anything like that in our group chat. Um, no kids like Mitchell um, or Riley. I think those are the only two in the group. Kyle's, Kyle's got his son oh, as well. Yes. Sterling. Okay, I forget about Sterling. Uh, of course, congrats to him. Um, but yeah, I'd say maybe down the road I'll have a who knows if I'll have an account like that, but um, yeah, no, well, really, no, I have a pretty boring life. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that this that's the case. What I would say is it's the perfect lead up to when you're the one who breaks the news of Giannis re-signing with the Bucks. So no pressure at all. That'll, that'll be the, that's the next move for you. <laughs> Seriously, that'd be fun. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, Gabe, I really appreciate you coming on with me here this week. Um, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Obviously at Brew Hoop, but where else can they find you at? Oh, yeah. My uh, media that I'm most active on is Twitter, and that's Stoltzy3. S-T-O-L-T-Z-Y and the number three. Be prepared for a lot of Breaking Bad content, especially and Better Call content, especially as this quarantine drags on. That's all I have left. <laughs> and, and yeah, now that you no longer have the lizard, but once once things come back, then you'll also have the reptilian content as well. So not only do you get the better call Saul, you also get the reptiles and you also get the bucks content, which that's a trifecta that's tough to beat. Uh, is there anything else you would like the people to know, the listeners, the readers, before I let you go? I think you hit everything, Riley. Thank you for so much for having me on. It's my pleasure to join. No, no problem at all. I appreciate it as well. And thank you, everybody, for listening, continuing on. Uh, we're slowly but surely, we're running out of staff members. I think I have two more left to go, depending on if I can convince them to come on. But I'll keep the next week's guest a mystery because I don't know who it's going to be. We'll find out next Monday. Uh, again, w- wishing everybody well this Memorial Day, and we'll catch you guys later.